people ask, you know, like, how did you do it? Or like, how did you make the plunge from corporate life? And like, it is an element of just like having faith in yourself and the world, I guess, you know, and whatever else you believe in that, um, like that it'll all come together and that other opportunities will open that you don't even know or anticipate. It's just changed everything in my life. Every single person has a gift to offer the world. And what does that look like? And how can we inspire people to do that? Grab onto that and be anchored in that because um, their fulfillment lies in their identity, not in their actions. You can kind of, sort of BS everybody else, but it's that kind of thing where you know if you're on it or not. Wake up and clean the slate, and you don't have to believe the lies that people have told you. You're not living that to its potential. It's a waste. Welcome to the Forgotten Art Project. My name is David. And I'm Shara. We are so excited to be here today. Thank you for joining us. Today, we are here with my friends, Belinda and Venice, and we used to go to high school together when we were in high school. (laughs) (laughs) So many years ago. So many. So many years ago. We're getting old, I feel like. Yes. Once you have passed the 10 years out of high school, you start feeling old. The second you say something like I said to them this morning... Uh, I was like, oh, it was like a year or maybe like three ago. <laughs> like when you measure time to one or three years, you're old. <laughs> like, oh, it's just like in the last five years or so, something like that. I have so many years to choose from. <laughs> so it really doesn't matter which one of them it was. Choose your own Yeah, so we are today actually out at the Simple Goodness Farms, which is Venice's place. And they both each have their own separate thing that they're kind of doing, but that also coincides and works together. So um, who wants to go first and talk about what you're up to? Yeah, I'll go. So I am Belinda, the younger sister, and I own Happy Camper Cocktail Company, which was a dream kind of conceived three-ish years ago and worked on in this same very office uh, when Venice and I used to work from home together. We both had corporate jobs that allowed us to work from home a few days a week when we were had our new babies. And so we would sit here at these desks and just think about what we really wanted to do with our lives. And <laughs> Venice is being at her house at her farm. She didn't have to look very far to see what she really wanted to be able to do full-time. But for me, uh, Happy Camper Cocktails was a kind of process of putting it together. And it is a garden-to-glass cocktail catering company. We're a mobile bar company, and we basically bring our cute mobile bars, including a vintage camper bar, to your party or whatever occasion it is. And we serve delicious farm-fresh cocktails. And that's where Venice came into things, obviously owning Simple Goodness Farm. I roped her in and asked her if she would grow some of the things that were harder and harder for me to find. Hmm. Yeah, so I had started growing garlic, um, and that was kind of, we started about three years ago, and we hosted this garlic festival, which really just started um, with me putting a sign out on the highway that said, Fresh Farm Garlic, and it had grown over the years, um, and we had it people that were coming back around August each time, because that's usually when it is, and asking, when are you going to have your sale? And say so we kind of turn it into this festival. Um, and But then life often gets in the way. And one year, um, three years ago, or yeah, I um, got pregnant and <laughs> my daughter was due in September. And so during all of that, that's usually when you save your seed. So with garlic, you save it and then you plant it the next year. Um, and I didn't save any, or I did, and then it rotted. And so I was out of seed and so it would have taken a whole nother investment um, in seed, which can be very expensive to start all over again. And so at that point, I kind of stopped and thought, this is something I really, really love and really want to do. And I love the festival and I love hanging out with people that also grew garlic and talking about garlic and talking about the small farms in our area. Um, but I was ready for a switch and kind of crop. And that's when Blue was like, hey, you know what? It's really hard to find are edible flowers that aren't sprayed. And um, 
specialty herbs that I can't find at a lot of places. And so I was like, well, let's grow that. (laughs) And so that's kind of how we started. Yeah, a lot of um, organic or in our area, there's a lot of farms that practice sustainable farming, but don't have organic certification because certification Mm -hmm. is very expensive and it's hard to be a small farmer. Mm -hmm. And so they'll just kind of skip that part and explain to their customers how they work. But they do grow these things sometimes, but it'll be like, the edible flowers are grown as a, a bee pollinating crop. So it's mm. more just like a side thing to help their vegetables. And so they're not growing them in the quantities that I was looking for. And they often, even if they do grow them, don't advertise them. So it was mm. hard for me to figure out like who actually even has these. You, and you just have to drive around the country. <laughs> yeah, you have to drive around or, you know, thank God for Facebook, your Facebook messaging these farms and asking like, hey, do you have any glendula that I can get? And, you know, they may or may not. The only reason they're normally grown in bulk organically is like for tea and it's not around here. So, mm. um, so yeah, that having her grow the far, the flowers made that a lot easier. And then with perennial herbs, um, it's kind of the same thing. A lot of farmers grow them in small quantities just as like something to put in a CSA, but they're not going to grow them in the bulk that I was looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the herbs work really well because like the garlic it's kind of a plant it and then you can leave it and forget it. Especially with being a perennial, it's even better because a lot of the herbs like my rosemary and sages, they come back year after year. And so I'm not out there replanting seeds and starting over fresh each year. Um, it comes with, with its own risks, of course, because, you know, if you lose your crop, you lose potentially three years of an investment mm. of growing that crop to where it needs to be. Um, but it works well for our operation mm-hmm. and our lifestyle. I mean, yes. we both have two young kids and so, and farming is still a side business for Venice. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you need something that you're not out there every day having to weed and plant and yeah. start seeds. Yeah. And it's a lot of work. It is yeah. so much work. Yeah. yeah. And it's also, I've always loved the idea and, you know, doing a ton of research and working with other farmers in the area um, the value added, having a value added product is so important to so many farms, um, viability, especially in our area where land prices are so high. Um, and so, and yes, value added, it's basically when you take, take a raw, um, in our case, herb and turn it into something that's different and mm-hmm. um so in our case we turn it into simple syrups and so that was something that I was always passionate about was something bringing something different to the market that hadn't necessarily been brought before um and so I had thought about that with garlic and then uh Belinda was kind of already doing this with my herbs and creating these syrups that everyone was raving about and they would ask her you know, how do you make this drink? And I attended enough of her events where I heard the question over and over again of what's in this drink? How do you make it? It's so good. And so that's kind of where the simple syrup line came in. Awesome. So you guys have a separate like line that's under your company or how does that work? So the simple syrups are truly together. And so we're actually still figuring out like legally and business-wise and all that, how we're going to... Taxes. Taxes, (laughs) basically, yeah. We're figuring that out with our accountants, what's the best way to do it. But it is a joint venture. And so it does have its own name and its own branding. And actually, we are using a blog that we've had for a long time, the Simple Goodness Sisters blog, which started Mm -hmm. out as a blog about Venice and my our younger sister, Kate, um, raising dairy goats and doing 4-H. And then it kind of evolved and has just been a way for our family and friends to follow our lives. And then when they bought this farm, it was all about farm projects and renovations. And it's it's just been a part of our lives for a long time. And so we had this kind of following through that group and thought this is the perfect way to brand these syrups because it is simple goodness. And then it's a, you know, a sister venture. Mm -hmm. So the line will be called Simple Goodness Syrups, and it'll be the first uh, of the cocktail mixers that we'll be releasing, which oh, will, you know, def- we definitely use and promote through Happy Camper Cocktail Company, but it will be its own separate thing with an online store through Simple Goodness. Awesome. That's exciting. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, really exciting. Stoked about it. Yeah. Um, it's like 
hot off the presses. So yeah. we only just started talking about it on social media. I mean, if you in the last week followed yeah. us, you you kind of heard hints of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's our big our big launch and push right now. So and super awesome. unique. Is anybody else doing that sort of thing? There's uh, definitely like specialty cocktail oh, mixers. There's small. definitely like really some really yummy simple syrups out there, but there's not one that we know of at least that's really marketed as a farm to bar concept. Or we call it garden to glass. Garden to glass. Awesome. Nice. Yeah, so we try to put as many of the herbs <laughs> as I'm growing. We're still in terms of an herb farm, very new. And so a lot of our plants, because they're perennials, they're not mature yet. And so we're giving them a little bit more time to grow before we really start harvesting. Um, And so, but again, I love my local farm community. And so I have, you know, tried to really connect with as many farms in the area. And so if if we're not growing it here, um, we're sourcing it as close and as small as we can. So for example, rhubarb, I have a friend, um, we have a delicious rhubarb vanilla simple soap. Mm. And um, our... Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. And um, and so Sumner, just down in the valley, like 10 miles from here, is like the rhubarb capital of the world. And so I, you know, met with one of the farmers and I was like, do you have any rhubarb? And he's actually a farm that's kind of downscaling, but he's like, again, rhubarb's a perennial. And so it's planted. I don't really have to think about it. And he's Mm. like, I have a ton of it. And so we went and picked up all that and it's all organic, amazing rhubarb. So all of that will go into it. And we're also really trying to focus on um, being local as possible. And in that vein, um, as Pacific Northwest as possible. So Mm. another um, really exciting flavor is the huckleberry spruce tips one, which I'll let Belinda talk a little bit more about. Yeah, we want to have a very like decidedly Pacific Northwestern perspective because there are other specialty simple syrups on the market. And something that you don't see a lot is number one, combinations of flavors, um, which helps it make a more complete drink with less ingredients. So you know, we live in a LaCroix world now. This is just something we're blessed to have. <laughs> and there's a lot of opportunities for like that very easy cocktail, right? Like for us, it's you're running around the farm and you just need to make a cocktail real quick or like boating is huge around here, right? Like everyone spends the summer on a lake. And so like, what's a good boat cocktail? Something you can literally just put like mixer, booze, LaCroix, right? right? Yeah. And it tastes delicious. So that's, that's my kind of drink. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's, it's honestly, I'm a bartender who makes like pretty complex drinks for our events, but that's what I drink at home is something yeah. that I can just whip together. And I am not a bartender. And so for me, it was like, I want something that's delicious because I'll try to, like even Belinda will give me a very spelled out detailed recipe and I always screw it up. Oh, like it so never good. tastes like what hers tastes like. And so, yeah, simple as much better for me too. Yes. So yeah, the syrups, when you have like the combos, yeah. it adds like so much to it. Mm-hmm. So with the huckleberry spruce tip, you've got like your sour sweet from the huckleberry. And then the spruce actually has some really like you get the, the tips are the new growth every spring. And so they just kind of came out in May now. And we are, you know, we're, we're letting the tree hold on to them for a couple more weeks while we get everything together for our bottling process because we still are working on our label. Um, but then we'll pick those and it, they taste really citrusy. So they've got a little bit of nice. like a woodsy resin flavor, but also a strong citrus flavor. So it just really speaks to like Pacific Northwest and this area yeah. that we love and grew up in. And it, we wanted it to just really be like a reflection of our home and how much we love this area. Yeah. And simple goodness, the name actually came from our nanny and poppy. So our nanny um, and poppy had a small farm in Kent. And we just had always heard so much about the farm growing up. And I especially was just like, that's what I want. Like, I just want a little small farm that I can raise my family. And um, and Nanny passed away. And at her funeral, um, the priest was talking and talking about they had been married for over 60 years mm-hmm. um, and were just like complete sweethearts and talked about how Poppy described Nanny and he used the term simple goodness. And so Aww. that's where the farm name came from. And for Huckleberries, like our family, they had eight kids. So our family, (laughs) (laughs) our family used to go Huckleberry picking every single year. And it was just like a Deliski, which was the last name, tradition. Um, 
And so that that's like a big one for us. And I'm super excited about it. It's been so hard though. It's definitely the hardest mm. flavor for us to source. Like huckleberries are not grown. Um, their elevation requires that you know, not very many farms are farming at the elevation that huckleberries grow and mm. wild huckleberries. And so we had to connect with local foragers who are Whoa. going out into the wilderness and have all of their special permits that they need to be able to forage um, huckleberries. Yeah, at the quantity that we needed to create the amount of simple syrup that we use. And then like Bologna was talking about, the spruce tips have been a real struggle because, because we're going to can it. And we're not going to add any chemicals. Um, the, that's why we decided to can, because we're not going to add any chemicals or preservatives to it. Um, we have to have everything tested through the FDA. Um, and so we have to get these process authority letters from local universities. Um, and so, but it's been really hard. The other ones we could kind of just get because they were frozen um, and then make it ahead of time and then wait the five weeks to get the letter. But the spruce tips has been difficult because we don't we have really spruce been tips. the trees. Like I mm. go to the, go to our trees that we're going to be foraging from because we decided to forage those ourselves. Enumclaw area, there's plenty of spruce that you can forage these. Um, and so I just like, okay, check it in with my tree today. And like every two days have to go visit the tree and see if it's ready so that we can make this recipe so we can send it away so that five weeks later we can bottle. And the spruce tips aren't hardened and not harvestable anymore. So like we have this very short window yeah. and you can't freeze spruce tips. They like need to be fresh when we bottle. And so it's like a very specific timing thing that I know know that like that's one of those like new business things I don't know that we realized that we were like we're gonna make this amazing flavor (laughs) and now we're kind of like oh this is harder than we originally thought but it's doable so (laughs) (laughs) and there will be your standards about like 800 (laughs) bottles of it hot off the presses if you want it you gotta like pounce on it because you can't get it again until next year yeah yeah Yeah. release yeah, I realized we're like interviewing ourselves. Like usually, you guys talk in podcasts. No, 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 we're not. no we don't. We're you know we're interview. We want you guys to talk. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. Well, we're chatting. we can talk a lot. <laughs> if you haven't noticed. That's good. That's awesome. Make our job easy. Yeah. 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 Talk, not talk for hours. And still have things to not talk about. I don't relate to that at all. <laughs> no, I think that's awesome. That's just so inspiring. The fact that you guys are willing to work so hard. For something that you're interested in, that you believe in, that's exciting for you. Um, and there's a lot of variation in all the different kinds of work that you're doing. It's not just social media and then you create a product. There's all these little details that have to go into it. And you guys are thinking that all through. I mean, do you think you could do this on your own or does it only work because you're working together? Uh, I mean, I can answer that for me. Um, <laughs> and I've always said, like, I need, I could never be a founder. I would always need a co-founder. Um, and I just work, I'm a very collaborative person. And so for me, like, bouncing, being able to bounce an idea off of somebody and getting someone else's opinion um, is critical to my success. And so I was super happy when Belinda made the plunge to kind of follow her own dreams. I think Belinda could probably do it on her own. She's, um, no, no? <laughs> I mean, you've I done so well with Happy heart. Camper yeah. on your own. Um, I, I could do it. Yeah. I, I, Troy and I, my husband and I started Happy Camper. That's one thing, but this, there's so much, it, it's so much of the farm component and a lot of the research that Venice has already done into like wholesaling and WSDA, WSDA requirements and things. So and then I'm already busy with Happy Camper and my family. So to start something else, I would not have that like room on my plate right now. That's definitely something that had to be a collaboration or wasn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I think for this, it's um, it's just so much of a, like that's part of the draw of it is that it is really two people coming together and two very unique strengths coming together. Um, we, you know, farming is a ton of work and um, can be an absolute full-time adventure. And in addition to a lot of money, um, to get a farm started is a ton of money. I mean, we have a lot of money invested in, in equipment already um, and all of that. And so to kind of start from square one would be really, really hard. So I feel like it was just kind of, I, I mean, I had this epiphany the other day where it was like everything is finally coming together mm-hmm. in this very weird 
um, but amazing way where, you know, Ross and I have been working on this farm for however many years we bought the place about five years ago. So building this farm for five years. years. Right? <laughs> yeah, it would take three years. <laughs> um, and Belinda had been working on Happy Camper for like two years. Um, yeah, three seasons, two years. Yeah, and so, and it's like this is the perfect time for this collaboration to happen. And um, although it's been a ton of work, it's not nearly as much work if we were starting from ground mm. zero. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's kind of the beauty of though, like putting in the time and putting in the work is like you start seeing the fruits and, you, and it starts getting easier and you start seeing all those pieces like coming together and you're like, yes. Yeah. Yes, dreaming about. You know? Yeah. And for anyone that like when people ask, you know, like, how did you do it? Or like, how did you make the plunge from corporate life and like it is an element of just like having faith in yourself and uh, the world I guess you know and whatever else you believe in that um like that it'll all come together and that other opportunities will open that you don't even know or anticipate and I think mm-hmm. that's been the biggest thing for us is like if you would have told us a couple years ago, you know, like, oh, this opportunity is going to land in your lap and you're going to consider this opportunity. We'd be like, no, that's not going to happen. It is really strange how things have worked out and how things that I thought were maybe just, you know, like speed bumps on a road actually were things preparing me for the next mm-hmm. step. Um, and almost, you know, I, I do believe in God and I am a big believer in signs and like, I have something that I want on our bottle, for instance, that everyone keeps like, why would you put that on your bottle? And I'm like, I've literally, since I've seen this bottle in my head, since we conceived of this idea originally, I've known that this is how the bottle should look like. Mm. And it's just, I have to like trust that because why did I see it otherwise? You know, mm. I just really believe in that. And certain things like for my own company with Happy Camper, like I worked at Microsoft for a long time and that was a job that I... I'm not a very technical person. Like I didn't own an iPhone until this year. Um, <laughs> I, I never, you never would have seen Melinda working at Microsoft. Because they make you have a Windows phone. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> that is true. And I actually loved my Windows phone. Oh, <laughs> <so> <laughs> <good>. <laughs> I totally it. it was a great phone. Other than the fact that like the, it didn't work with the rest of the world because the rest of the world is on iPhones. But, but it was still a great phone. <laughs> it was. <laughs> Hold tight to that. Uh, but like I just it, like in high school, I don't think it, my friends in high school would have been like, yeah, Blue is gonna work at Microsoft. Like I was not. I mean, I was she's not ready to Excel. I'm not She had to teach Excel's. me before my interview. She had to give me like a here's how you actually use Excel, and I'm a quick learner, so that worked. But ending up there for five years ended up really making sense because then like I got an opportunity to plan um, or to be the bar for a big corporate company um, for their summer picnic. At, and it happened to be like same location, really similar format as these Microsoft intern events that I had planned for three years. And I was literally like, I'm the perfect person for this job. Like I already mm-hmm. know everything about this area. And it was a huge event for us last year. And so it was just another one of those things where I keep thinking, man, like everything has gone full circle. These things that I didn't think were really, you know, me living my best life or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like this isn't where I should be, but it but it actually was at I that time. Yeah. yeah, it was the best resume building experience ever. Mm-hmm. Hindsight. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love that. Um, so mm-hmm. for you, Venice, you kind of had this dream like when you were a kid. Like you mm-hmm. knew, you've known since you were a little kid. I think that's so cool that, I mean, how often do we actually realize our childhood dream? And, yeah. You know, I think that's just, that's just amazing. Um so I have a couple questions. One, yeah. you're you're doing that now, and then you're also working. So I want to talk about that, like doing those two things together. Mm-hmm. And then for you, I want to hear from <laughs> Melinda about when you decide, like when the idea sparked, when you started deciding, like, hey, I think that I want to go this way now, and this is like what gets me excited. And so, yeah. So for me, um. The big shift. So I was working at Redfin, um, which is an online real estate company. And I, so the other side of my family um, is really into real estate and construction and always has been. And so um, our dad is a pretty cool guy who um, definitely gave us that entrepreneurial bug. 
Um, he owns a building materials supply store and um, always has worked for himself. And so we were raised with a dad that could come to school on Mondays because he got to pick his day off. Um, and so he was like the only dad that I and we remember like being, you know, like a PTA dad. <laughs> and he would just come and like play with us. And a lot of our friends that we've had forever have um remember that like when they were in kindergarten dad would come into the classroom and work and so that was a huge part for me um in deciding you know once I had my daughter <laughs> um once I had my daughter figuring out like okay this is something that I wanted but um and so real estate's always intrigued me so basically when I left Redfin um I love family business. And that was one of the things when I worked corporate, I always missed that element of working with my family. And mm -hmm. um, because we were both raised working at my, raised our, at the Millwork Outlet. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. We both started working there at a very young age. Like I was answering phones at six years old with an alter ego secretary <laughs> persona. Maxine. Her name was Maxine. <laughs> she actually worked there. We've <laughs> been yelled at so many times by customers, like even as little kids. And so, <laughs> so I think, it, you know, in a, what, another way, this is an example of kind of being groomed for that element of being your own boss and um and so yeah so I missed that and my brother basically came to me uh, he also um has his own business and he's a lawyer and so he has a law firm and he's like we're gonna open this uh brokerage and we need agents and I had already had my license um and so that was kind of again like a sign that was like okay I've been preparing you for this um and here you are and all of the stars aligned and I was like yep this is where I'm supposed to be and so we took the plunge and I um and so I do both. So, but because of the job that I've taken in that kind of career shift, um, I can work around each other. And so that's been huge for me. Um, I don't know that I'd be able to do this, you know, working a nine to five. I think mm -hmm. it would be way too hard. Um, and, you know, I was commuting to Seattle, which it, from the farm is a two hour commute. That's um, one way. Yeah. 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 Each way. So it was, you know, I would get home at like seven and then still have all of the farm chores to do and try to get dinner on the table and all of that. And it just wasn't feasible for my family anymore. Um, and so I had to find a, a job, but I, I wanted, I loved to wear lots of hats. Um, I, I would be bored if I was just doing one thing. And mm. so I love the ability um, to make connections in lots of different ways. And so most of my clients, you know, they're, they're great. A lot of them are friends and family. I love helping them. Um, it's also led me to get a lot more um, ingrained in the farm community around me because I have time to go to those meetings that I couldn't go to before. Um, and so that's been awesome. I've, you know worked with other farmers and I taught a social media class for farmers because a lot of farmers are from a different generation and you know Instagram is like what <laughs> and so um and that's how we've that's built like a lot of our of, business probably this the strength that comes with being a first generation farmer though is that you know Venice has always wanted to have a farm this has always been her dream like since Nanny and Poppy had theirs but it's not like this is in our blood by any means. Like theirs was a hobby farm that supported their family. It was not like a, a commercial enterprise by any means. They, He had another job at Boeing. She stayed home with the kids. Like, so by you doing this for the first time, you have kind of been able to write your own rules and right. use your strengths. And one of them has been the fact like we grow up in a technical world and you know how to use Instagram. And right. that's been huge for her as a farmer. Yeah, I think a lot of kids who take over farms, like they're kind of immediately put in this box mm -hmm. of whatever the family farm has been or has <laughs> done. And, and we didn't have a box to live in. So we have been building our own box and then tearing down our box and then rebuilding it and farming by uh, google <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> and so it is it's, there's definitely challenges to being thing. a first generation farmer um and somebody who i mean i didn't go to school to farm and so a lot of it is but you did take grasses of montana, montana. yeah so much. i know some different grasses in montana <laughs> 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 no, <I'm pretty> sure. <laughs> 
Ace in class. <laughs> but it's Jenny and Ag. <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> but Benny's changed her major like seven times. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, I like to wear lots of hats. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I think one of the um, the patterns that we're seeing and talking with people is that like when you find the thing, and even if it's more than one thing, you figure out how to make the rest of your life work so that you can do the thing. Absolutely. And have, it, have it work together. I mean, I think that saying goes like only an entrepreneur, like, We'll work 60 hours to avoid working 40 hours. I know, right? Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's essentially what it is. Like, we don't turn off because our hats are always changing. So we're working happy camper, or she's working happy camper, I'm working real estate. And then, like, you know, you get an email from your other inbox that's like, oh, I need this. And so then you put on your other hat. We and make so a decision on the like, size of our labels today. And, like, we need... Yeah. Yeah. You're constantly switching. Yeah. But I think, for me, that was um, part of... Microsoft's culture is this like constant grind. And then working in HR, we talked a lot about work-life balance. And the idea of work-life balance always really bothered me because I definitely wasn't finding it there. Um, But I've kind of learned that for me, work-life balance now is about making work something that you are willing to live around and, and part of your life that you actually enjoy. Like there doesn't have to be this compartmentalization of like now I work and now I have my balance time Mm -hmm. like that doesn't really work and it doesn't really fulfill you Mm -hmm. but if your work is fulfilling then you feel balanced and Mm -hmm. I think I mean that I think that's a huge reason why farming has I've always been drawn to farming is because like for the most part they're family farms and it is like you live at the place that you work and so you're constantly your life and your work is intertwined and you don't eat your meal at a desk you have like this like family meal and it might be like at 4 p.m. because that's when you're finally done with your farm chores, but, like, you all get together and eat. It's not, like, a sandwich by yourself in the yeah. office, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 It's just a, such a huge so, lifestyle difference. hmm Yep. But I, I love it, and I definitely wouldn't change it. And, um, you know, it was a big jump. Um, my husband still has his 9 to 5, and so um, that helps. I know that it would be much, much harder if, you know, there wasn't one person who had the benefits and the steady salary and all that. So I know that we both rely on our husbands a lot. Um, Gotta get those benefits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Especially with having a family. Yes. You know. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, my business has reached a certain level of success in the last three years of where we are becoming more well-known and we book more and all those things. But like, full disclosure, we do not make very much money. Yeah. And like, I don't pay myself I mean, I made more when I was interning for our brother, who I think paid me mostly in Starbucks cards. So, like, that's the reality of starting a business, too. Yeah. And so, you, without our husband's paychecks, we wouldn't be able to pursue this dream. You either. have to have a lot of guts because, mm-hmm. yeah, like, the farm has never made us um, a ton of money. And for us, like, really, the farm... And um, that's why the collaboration is so important and finding that value-added product for us. Um, because like it takes a lot of grind to Mm -hmm. make a farm on a small acreage work. Um, and so this has been kind of our, our creative way of figuring out like, Mm -hmm. how do you diversify, um, in a farmy way, um, and and still taste fruitier and still taste fresh, but is also shelf stable. So you can sell it year round, which Mm -hmm. is huge. Yeah. It's hard to like a lot of our values and, um, goals are very old fashioned, if you will, but how do you make them fit in the modern world where everyone shops on Amazon and wants it delivered in two days and wants to be able to get it year round, you know, and can shop for and price differentiate and like all of that that goes into making a product that um is a retail product is mm-hmm. a challenge mm-hmm. yeah for sure i think there is there is a, a subculture of people who are are wanting that more like old school way of doing things like you know eating seasonally all this stuff all that. there's a reason that we did that i mean beyond just <clears throat> for farming wise like health wise it's good for us to eat seasonally and yeah. you know so yeah i think hopefully that that culture continues to grow and then helps yeah us. i think that's what like our whole 
focus has been is, and part of the reason why Simple Goodness is our name is that it's not hard. Like we make it way more complicated than I think it is. And you just have to read some history books <laughs> and like, there's your answers. Yeah, but you can be really fancy and you can call it macrobiotics or you could just shop at the farm like 20 minutes from your house. Like yeah. that's the same thing, Gwyneth. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry, Zinger. I love you. I love you. I do. <laughs> That's awesome. I really appreciate it because I think it's so hard. Um, oh, I just think it's hard. I think it's hard with all the distractions and all the options and all the opportunities. I think it's hard to feel like you can be led to something. And so I think that being really organic in how you work and how you move and how you make decisions, it sounds like you guys have done what makes sense to you, um, but you've backed it up. And so I think that's just really exciting in a world where so many people are like, well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I want to do. And it's like, well, just you don't have to force it. Kind of go with, you know, you went with your gut with what you really wanted to do. But you also had to kind of go with what the opportunities were as well and to take advantage of those opportunities. Yeah, it was not natural for me, too. I'll just say that. Like, Venice is, um, I think, a much more like natural entrepreneurial spirit and her appetite for risk and Mm. Her, like I always said, she her actual job should just be like mountaintop sitter who gives people ideas. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I really want that job. If you guys see that anywhere on the interwebs, <laughs> I do too. I'm right there with you. We can She's sound really the top together. Oh, I love it. Oh she my could, gosh. like if you come up with, yeah, I kind of want to do this and this, and I think this could be good. She'll like put together your business, and uh, it'll be great. But. But she's like the idea man, right? And then I'm so much more of the, okay, now how do we, what 50 points do we need to implement to get from A to Z? And on what timeline should we work that? And so for me, this process was actually not natural. It took like a lot of like the universe signs more like banging on the head, being like, Belinda, it's time, like move on. Um, Like it took me a long time, for instance, to leave Microsoft because I really liked my job. I liked the people I worked with and it was really hard and, you know, grueling job for a family. But I was really trying to way to make that work for a family too. And there was like six months of me trying to figure out how to make that job work into the lifestyle I wanted and letting go finally of the idea of that being able to happen because my job mm-hmm. involved travel and it wasn't going to work with having a young son, especially with my husband's job. He has to wake up at like 4 a.m. There's no nanny who wants to be at your house at 4 a.m. So like, it, it, there was a long process in letting go for me and figuring out that okay, now, once I finally got to that point of like, okay, now I'm moving on, I'm going to do something from home. What can I do from home that's sustainable for me? And as far as challenges and um, fulfillment in a job, because Mm -hmm. a lot of stay-at-home jobs are like, here, file this paperwork or like, here, put together this spreadsheet. And I can't, I need to be challenged every day in all these different ways that we've talked about in order to really like stay excited. And so (laughs) That's when having Venice working from home with her at the same time and having her be like encouraging and being my mountaintop sitter was absolutely crucial in me being able to consider this as a real option. Mm -hmm. And I think Venice and I do that for each other a lot. Like we've been talking about these simple syrups for over a year and we would kind of tell our husbands about it a little bit, but also not too much to make because they just worry and they're like, how are you terrified about it? Um, but like, we've known all along, we need to start a great. support group. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for real. There's the, they can see it, but they can't. Well, we have to, yeah. It's, it's just like really anything else. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's not a good idea until it's not an idea anymore and so it's like you know they say that all the time with startups and all that is like there's a million ideas out there but which ones are you willing to work hard enough to like make get past the idea phase and like as the idea person I've had a lot of ideas and a lot of ideas that I've tried um, and some ideas that I just throw out there and throw them on it doesn't necessarily mean that like I'm serious like I'm gonna throw my money at this idea tomorrow Mm -hmm. um but you know and that's for that collaboration I have to talk about it out loud which I think sometimes can be a detriment because people just think like oh there's my niece with another crazy idea (laughs) you know (laughs) just so you know I'm relating to everything (laughs) 
I think there's a lot of people and we're like scared to like throw our ideas out there because we're worried about the perception that we'll get. Um, And so that's why for me, like I found that I needed that co-founder and somebody that had Mm. kind of the PM skills that Belinda does, which is hilarious because I used to be a PM. Like that was literally my job title. Um, And that's, I think that's part of the reason I wasn't super happy is that while I can PM, it's not something that comes super naturally to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, so Belinda totally helps keep me on track. And like, you know, when we are having our meeting, she's the one that's taking the notes and then creating the to-do lists and emails them to me. Um, And so, yeah, she's (laughs) she's got like this little notebook that is her like life. And we all know that if Belinda loses her notebook, we're all in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) She calls her notebook. (laughs) It is. It's like my brain outside of my body. And um, like I said, I'm not a technical person. So that does not exist on my phone. It is a three ring notebook. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you have to get it out of your, not sometimes, often. You have to get it out of your brain. You have to say it to somebody, speak it out loud, write it down, uh, balance it off, um, work with the team, work with a specific person in order to really get that ball moving. And so it sounds like for you guys, you had significant others that were supportive of that. You had families in general, but you really needed each other to kind of like push that spark to getting that going. Absolutely. Building your team is like the biggest I mean, Belinda can speak to this, especially because Happy Camper, she's had to build her team of bartenders, and she's done that in a very um, deliberate way throughout the years. And having, especially as a new business, like, that initial team that you surround yourself is, like, key to your success. Absolutely. Yeah. My my team builds me up all the time when I'm grumpy or I get, like, an event cancellation or something, and they constantly Mm. remind me of what we're doing and... You know, I think probably 70% of the time I'm the one reinforcing that with them. But, like, if you have a really good team, they're the ones who are telling you in the bad times, like, how great this company still is and and why it's so important what we're doing. And, Mm -hmm. you know, they lift you up and they are just so 100% behind the vision of what we're doing as well. Mm -hmm. And because I tend to be very easily moved into this, like, this very serious mode and checklist mode and, like, execution, which is what makes me good at my job because, you know, part of being a bar service, we're actually kind of event planners. Like we're planning everything Mm -hmm. around that bar and making sure that it works. And there's a lot of like measurements and, you know, quantity things to consider and timelines, but it's also supposed to be really fun. Mm -hmm. And that's like a huge part of our company is that we're like formal, but fun. Uh, That's the culture we want to create at our bars. Like we're knowledgeable and we know what we're doing and we'll tell you about the seasonality of our products. And we wear, you know, fancy, cute outfits and we can do like this very classy service. But at the same time, we don't want anyone to feel like it's unapproachable or like, ooh, we're craft bartenders. We're, mm-hmm. you know, fancier than you, you know. Well, snobby. Yeah, we don't want to be snobby ever. It's formal, but fun. And they're the ones who a lot of times remind me of the fun part and, you know, like mm. hearing them like joking around and laughing as they're unpacking and stuff just reminds me like, okay, this is this is what we're doing. Mm. This is why you yeah. own your own business. This is why you work for yourself is so that you can have like fun while you work as well. Mm. Yes. And they are so important. Like some of my oldest friends were some of my first bartenders and having someone you can just trust complicitly like that. And, you know, at this point now, we don't even need to talk when we're behind the bar because we kind of read each other's minds and just hand each other bottles. Like it's really cool. Nice. Um, and then we brought on some new folks to the team that are not, you know, in the family or the friend group, but they understand the culture of what we're trying to build. And I'm trying to be really intentional about culture as an ex-HR person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know how important that is to a business's success. I think the other really cool thing about, you know, the art of kind of following your passion is building the community. So in the firm community, it's huge. Um, and so that's something that I've learned a lot about is like, we all help each other out because we all are kind of in the same boat and we've all been there, you know? Um, And so I've learned a lot of like being able, and I think this is so hard for so many people, but being able to ask for help. And like, I joke that like, if you come to my farm, I will put you to work. Like, and I'm not going to be shy about that. Like it's a lot of work. And so 
Um, you know, and people will ask me like, how can I help? And I'm like, don't ask if you don't want me to tell you because I have like 20 things that I can <laughs> tell you to do. And so, and our family has been awesome. Like, especially as we were getting this place started and it was an old dairy farm. And so everything needed to be updated and upgraded. And we would have these just events and it was just community, like come like barn raiser style events. Um, and people loved it. And I think a lot of times, you know, when people start new ventures, they kind of hold it really close mm. because they're afraid of what people will think or... I am so guilty of that. I Seeing the unfinished product. Well, yeah. I have this, like, this very bad um, superstition that sometimes that if I say it out loud and, and then it won't come true. Mm. It, and it's this very weird thing. It's exactly the opposite of what Oprah says to do. <laughs> um, but I have really had to unteach myself on that and bring people in and share with what I'm doing and learn that like that momentum can be what bringing people in and building that momentum can be what actually makes it across the finish line versus like hiding it and I think it's like this like you said fear or like shame or like for some people it's like competitiveness like they don't want to let go of an idea because someone else might do it but no one's going to do it the way you're going to and that's been a huge lesson for me too because you know, mobile bars are a really big thing right now and there have been new ones that come up and I just have to keep reminding myself, like, no one's going to do exactly what I'm doing mm-hmm. or bring exactly what me and my team are bringing to the table. Or have the connections that you have and the relationships that you've made with people. And, yeah, yeah, and when yeah. you bring people in, that's where so many of our connections have come from is, you know, like saying, hey, we need this. Like, and we don't know how or where to get this. And you are so surprised at how connected your friends are. And they're like, oh, I have this one person that knows this one thing. I mean, we're always out there. And, you know, technology has helped a ton. And so we have, like, Facebook community groups that we belong to. And, like, when we were looking for spruce tips. Sustainable Farmers, who has unsprayed spruce tips on your property and uh, will let us come harvest them. And, you know, like, four people responded. We have spruce trees. They didn't really know what spruce tips were. They didn't know why we wanted to use them necessarily, but they said, you know, come get them whenever you want. Like, that is very cool because also if we had paid a foraging company to get the spruce tips for us, they'd be like a lot more expensive. But like your community will provide because we've kept them included and they're interested and they're curious about what you're doing and they're behind you. And if you let them be behind you, it'll help you so much. Yeah. So one of the big lessons we're learning and we're trying to navigate right now is that we recently, um, with the help of a lot of family, we have purchased, our family has purchased um, a couple of storefronts um, in this really small community. Um, I think last census, there's like 410 people that live in this town. And it's just the five minutes of the road from the farm. Um, but it's a very tight-knit. People have lived there forever and generations. It's the oldest historical town in Washington State. So it, I think 1877 was like the official incorporation of Wilkeson, Washington. And so one of the big things for us when we bought the place and that we're you know, going to open a business there is how do we engage with this community that you are going to be the newcomers no matter like we could be there for three generations and we'll still be new (laughs) you know and so um how do you engage with them and like help them feel included in everything that you're doing because they want to be like they're so proud of their community and Um, they have history with the businesses that the these storefronts used to represent and so you know if someone can remember sitting at this bar with their you know person who at the time was their girlfriend has now been their wife of 30 years like Mm. they're gonna have an attachment to that space and they're gonna want to see you use it in a certain way or at least feel brought into how you're using it or they're not going to want to be there and what is the point of building up a community if the people who have lived there for years don't want to be a part of it so yeah we (laughs) right like we you see that happen in a lot of towns um, Mm. small towns in the northwest that we know of where they kind of get like latched onto as like tourist destinations. Um, they have like beautiful scenery around them. In Wilkinson's case, like you're at the foothills of Mount Rainier, like that is Mount Rainier National Park, like right out the door. So people want to come in and use that area and they need, you know, amenities nearby. Um, but it, it can become really easy, I think, for it to be all about geared to the people who are passing through, mm. who are coming in on the weekends, mm. who are just, you know, <clears throat> using the space, who aren't living in it. And we mm-hmm. really don't want it to be like that. Yeah. Yeah. 
So that's been a challenge, but something that um, through everything, we're trying to be as deliberate as we can of like sharing our story with the town um, and then including them in like, as we're thinking about plans for the town. So community is big. And we learned so much from that too. Like we didn't know that it, like one of the buildings used to be um, a pharmacy, like way back many, many renditions of the business ago was um, a pharmacy that had, you know, like some candy and things that kids would go get their candy. And, you know, pharmacies back in the day weren't just medicine. It was like all the things. Like and a drugstore. Like drug yeah, yeah, exactly. And so we love that history from it. And, it, you know, that's kind of now informed some of the dreams that we have for how we would use that. And then it was also a bar. Um, and then it was a cafe. And there's just so much potential there. And honoring, um, so the town is, uh, and Buckley in general is a logging community. So, and there's still actually quite a few active loggers um, and mm-hmm. logging companies that are based in Buckley. Um, and so it's like, how do we pull in that history? Um, it's also got the cocoa oven. So it's got a strong like coal mining um, history. And so it's like, how do we do that? Which ties in really closely. Part of the reason why we love it is because my poppy, the one I was talking about earlier, he um, he was a coal miner in Roslyn. And so, mm-hmm. like, near and dear to our hearts. And so, if we could live in Roslyn, we probably would. But yeah. it's uh, a little <laughs> too far removed yeah. from jobs. And at this point, it is one of those towns that's gotten pretty so, built up yeah. and beautiful. So it's expensive to live in Roslyn now. Yeah. Man, you guys have a lot of self-awareness. Yes. <laughs> you know, like everything you're telling me from like all the way back when you were kids up through your jobs and looking back and just having more and more self-awareness and really paying attention and being intentional. Uh, I, I really admire that. Thank you. I do. We talk about self-awareness a lot, like in HR also and helping people become self-aware. And I do feel like I am extremely self-aware, almost to the point of, like... It can go to the point of self-critical if you're not careful, which is something that we've both struggled with, too. But I think it has... If if we stay kind to ourselves in the self-awareness, we... It's been very helpful and instrumental. And I think that, you know, comes from our... The way we were raised, our parents and our mom was really big on communication and talking about your feelings. And I also think confidence comes into play a lot. Like, we're both really confident in, like, who we are. Um, and we've, you know, taken a lot of time to get there. Like, I would not say I was confident before I was 30, you know? Um, <laughs> Mother was a big one for me. Yeah. With my confidence, yeah. So we know, like, who we are. And, you know, I, I part of, you know, working and some of, and this is all the good things that come from, you know, working in a corporate environment is that we do, you know, like those dorky, like strength finders and things, you know, and like, and dorky, but accurate. But accurate. <laughs> <laughs> and like that, I like did, went through that exercise and I, and it was actually really big for me because it was like, these are my strengths. Like, why am I worrying so much about my weaknesses? Why don't I surround people, myself with people who have those strengths? Like, I don't need to be good at everything. I just need to be really good at what I'm doing and then find people who are really good at what they're doing um and so that was like a huge mind shift for me that came in my 30s because I tend to be a perfectionist um and I would get so frustrated because I'm not perfect like and I could never reach that like weird perfection (laughs) and so I finally like have given up and I'm like this is me if you don't like it that's fine and this is what I'm good at and if you want to collaborate with me like then hopefully you can find the strengths and collaborating with me. And I think that's ultimately why like being a sister team is great because you already we, know each other's strengths pretty well. And yeah. really blunt about them too. Like, <laughs> if, if something is not working, like, okay, we're, I'm just going to take this back from you. It's not working. Or like, I don't know, even if you take an unflattering picture, like last night I took a really unflattering picture of Anise and I was like, nope, we're going to want to do that again. But like, you wouldn't say that to someone you didn't know that well, you know, and that has been the case in business as well. Like, And I think like we were raised just really closely and I don't know, family is obviously very, very important to us. And so like, we mm-hmm. just know... Like, I have complete faith that, like, Belinda loves me unconditionally. Like, I can really, really screw up, and, like, it's not going to destroy our relationship. And so having that foundation um, it gives us, like, a really strong footing for going forward. You know, I've talked to a lot of business owners and partnerships and co-founders, and, like, you know, it 
oftentimes it can just end really messy. Mm. And that is a fear when you go into business. So my dad is uh, like he owns a millwork outlet with his brother. And so there's oftentimes where we rely heavily on our dad when like, I'm pissed at Belinda because she did something or she said something. And like, I will go to my dad and be like, oh, Belinda's driving me nuts right now. And dad will just be like, I know that's Belinda, you know, and he's like, but you'll get through it. And he like really like- He can relate so strongly. So strongly. And I can see how he interacts with like his brothers that he works with. And it's like, you just learn to let things roll off your back Mm -hmm. and just know that like, it'll be fine and that you love each other at the end of the day. And that's what's important. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I also, I do want to talk about the, um, the piece of like finding your confidence through motherhood. Um, I think too, that sometimes we are not as kind to ourselves as we would like, we don't, we treat ourselves worse than we would treat other people. Mm-hmm. And in that case, that was my kids being kind of a wake up call of like this lifestyle is not working for you. And but I made it about my kids, right? It was like, I can't travel because now I have a son. And so you would just make sacrifices and make things work because you want to for your child that you necessarily wouldn't have for yourself. But in hindsight, like probably just should have done it for myself anyway. Right. Um, but that love that you have for your kid makes you make choices that you wouldn't have otherwise maybe done. Um, and that, helps you have a place of confidence where you're like, I have such a good justification for doing this. I don't need to be afraid that I'm not working hard enough or that I'm not making enough money or I'm not climbing a ladder, like, because I'm doing this for the right reasons because of my child. Like, that's what it was for me. Um, and I don't think I would have had that strong of a footing in those in those beliefs until otherwise if I hadn't had him. Mm-hmm. I can see that perspective, that immediate perspective, because it just levels you. This is what's important. Yeah. And this is what needs to happen. And then everything else kind of goes off of that because it's a person. And so you have to meet all those basic needs because if you don't, they scream at you. (laughs) And they remind you on a constant basis. (laughs) Oh, and because you love them again. That's awesome. Yeah, and what a cool legacy that you guys are leaving for your kids now. too, right? You're showing them, hey... You can work hard. You can do what's important to you. And it's mm-hmm. not going to be easy, but it's possible and it's doable. And so then now, mm-hmm. like them just seeing that gives them this whole like worldview that a lot, I think a lot of kids might not ever have. Like mm-hmm. somebody might not ever tell them that and definitely not show them that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, growing up for us, take your daughter to work day was not necessary. Like we did that weekly. Yeah. So we saw <laughs> what that looked like. We saw what our dad put into his business and what it took to run a business. And I think our kids will see that too. And our kids also just love, like they, Henry was so excited to come here this morning to record this podcast with the farm because he gets to play with his cousin, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's really makes it so that our lives at home complement our lives at work and, and they appreciate the results of that for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think introducing them to that is, you know, she, Dayton, might end up working a corporate job, but just having that, and that would be great, like, if that's what she wants to do, but having, you know, that that thought process of, like, I don't have to do this, I think mm. is is huge, and, um, like, we never, and it's because we come from the family that we do, I think, you know, nobody was like, oh, why would you do that, you know, like, it wasn't even a big thing for our family to wrap their heads around, it was harder for us to wrap our heads around, um, in fact, it was a little bit odd that we did work corporate jobs because, like, none of our family really, you know, they've always, our mom's a teacher. And so it was, like, like working that corporate job where you were, like, constantly trying to climb, climb the ladder and do all that was pretty new to our family. Um, yeah, that was actually a much more difficult culture adjustment for me, like, when I started working at Microsoft because I was used to a family business where my grandpa stopped by every day and drank coffee and fell asleep in a chair. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know how family businesses are but he was the one that kind of started it all with my grandma and so and it's like also having that perspective of I think it's been unique for us because we're the females in the family and we have um, really strong female role models which I think is what yes. I'm getting at is that like it wasn't people probably thought it was grandpa's business because it yes. was a construction business and he built homes and did real estate but like 
grandma was the books. Grandma was like the backbone. You know, grandma was the one keeping mm-hmm. it all running behind the scenes. And we saw that about the women in our families and um, had... And not only did we have to see it, like, they told us. You know? <laughs> <laughs> they didn't let us forget. Yeah. 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 Those very vocal female leaders. Yeah. yeah. So we just didn't really have any, like, fear at all about us being the ones to do it this go-round. Um, it, it wasn't ever a, a matter of gender, I guess. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. A leader is a leader, especially when it's a family member. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I keep thinking like, well, should what what gem can you leave us with to wrap up? But you've I know, right? that's, that's you happened like cheese. five times in a row. Oh, so, yeah. um, you said guess, we could talk all Do time. you have anything additionally you'd like to leave with people? Oh man, yeah. I was thinking about this last night. Like, what what little like moments? I think I'm continuously learning in this process, mm. right? And mm-hmm. so. One of the newest learnings for me has been about um, saying no and feeling strong in your foundation and saying no and being decisive. And I think we've talked about all these like, yes, things today, right? Like, yes, we should start this. And like, yes, my husband supports me and like, let's dream and let's do this. Um, But we've also talked a lot about timing and letting the timing um unfold and I'm somebody who wants to keep things on a timeline and hurry but sometimes you have to say no because it isn't the right time right now yeah or say no to one thing to let the thing that you really want to come to fruition not forcing it yeah Yeah. not forcing it and like leaving room for the things that you do want to happen like sometimes you have to say no to leave those things yes um a possibility and that has been huge for me yeah, that's I would agree I'm with that. at the moment. Like, that's, like, my theme of the last couple months, I think. And yeah. I think that you can get there once, um, and you can probably speak to this more, but uh, you, you can get to that no place um, as you go down that road. But I think the other, like, the piece for me has also always been, like, but take the opportunities when you don't know like when when no when you're feeling like no is the answer really really strongly and you just don't want to say it like that's when you should say no but when you feel like yes is the answer and you're scared Mm. like take that opportunity so I guess it's like really listen to your gut because um I could have told myself no a lot of times and been completely justified in that no. And so sometimes no is also the safe answer. And you and that's where that self-awareness comes. So um kind of knowing, you know, what your what your mind tells you. Yeah. yeah. I and think then, we're both just kind of naturally more yes, yes people. people. So for us it's about learning to say no. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people are on the other end of things. Yeah, and when people ask us like what's your advice, I, my advice is always like say yes, because I think a lot of people tend to be no and so it's like yeah, say yes to the opportunities because you don't know what's going to come of that and so like we have so many examples that we could talk for hours about where we said yes to something and that is why we're in the place that we're in now mm-hmm. um and now now we have so many opportunities coming at us that it's like now we have to learn how to say no and so and that's part of growing and your business growing mm-hmm. um and it's a hard transition to take and that's where we're at in our business but um but everyone's in a different place. And mm-hmm. so I would say three years ago, if you had asked me, like, how do you get from here to there? It would be saying yes and then also taking taking risks, which mm-hmm. um, I think a lot of risks are easy when it's like, okay, it's my time risk. It's my, you know, all of these things. It's the money risks that are hard for people. Um, it's been the money risk that's the hardest for us, even now. Like, even now, even with everything that we have going, when we have to fork over even a thousand dollars, you know, that's for something, yeah. it's like, we're like, whoa, do we really want to send? But like, at this point, we're like, well, we're so deep that like, we, we will. But I think it's like, no, that no matter how much money you have or how little money you have, like, it's it those those hard decisions are always gonna be there and we've all had to make them Mm -hmm. I also one of the things that prepared me for this like crazy journey that we've been on um I just said journey I hate that but (laughs) uh, 
You're still was, cliche. I know. Well, I was a yoga instructor. Yoga instructors say things like journey. But uh, that's been a really big uh, part of my perspective is like that idea of letting go in the moment and living in that moment. Mm-hmm. And like really evaluating, like, is this a yes moment? Is this a no moment? Like, mm-hmm. what is, what do I need to do right now? And learning to listen to yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Learning to listen to yourself, I think, is a big one. And then like, and being really honest with yourself about like who you are and being That's one of the things aware. we say, like in our bio, it's actually in like our official bios that we put together is that like we're truth tellers. And um, that's really big for us is like honesty as a company, as a partnership. At, like you cannot do good work if you're not honest with each other and if you're not honest with yourself. Mm. And not like, I mean, I still struggle with this. Like I'm a procrastinator, <laughs> like a really big procrastinator. Everyone knows who knows me knows that I'm a procrastinator. But when I wrote my bio and put like a procrastinator or something along those lines in my bio. And I was like, I don't want the whole world to know I'm a procrastinator. And so like, I deleted it and then I put it back in and then I deleted it and I put it back in. And then it was like, finally I was like, I am like, that is who I am. And so I was like, all right, well, I guess the whole world will know now. And now it's on a podcast, so everyone will know. Yeah, <laughs> and you have, like, a big old four and a half listeners right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The whole world. <laughs> I have five people in my family. We have five okay. <laughs> Well, we haven't actually launched officially yet. But when this comes out, it'll be it'll yeah. been out for a couple months. So. Yeah. So, yeah. Perfect. <laughs> This has been amazing, you guys. I mean, in particular, because you're both females and you're both moms and you have some similarities. I'm, I mean, you can see the notes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're right. yeah, awesome. So I'm just going to like go home and meditate on this for a little bit. <laughs> um, but I mean, I just so appreciate your honesty. You guys have been very open with us and sharing where your heart's been and all the hard work that you poured into it. And I really appreciate it. All of the things that you said. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for having, having us. us and taking everything that we say and making it sound pretty. <laughs> <laughs> that would be just. Come on with that. <laughs> so, uh, where can people connect with you online? So, I my business is at happycampercocktailcompany.com. Happy Camper Cocktails with an S on Instagram because you always want more than one cocktail. Mm-hmm. And Venice and our venture together is Simple Goodness Sisters, um, is our Instagram handle. And we're simplegoodnesssisters.com for our blog. And then that's where you can get the link to buy the simple syrups and the link to the farm so you can check out the farm. Yeah, if you're local, um, check out the events that they have. Um, yeah, they're a good time. Yeah, we have our garlic and goats, even though we don't do garlic anymore. And um, we have garlic and goats festival every August. So I'm working on nailing down an exact date. But if you follow us, you'll be able to figure it out. Yay! Yeah. All right. Thanks so much, ladies. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Thanks so much for checking out our latest episode. Be sure to check out the show notes for any links and additional info related to this episode. You can find us on the web at theforgottenartproject.com. And we also want to make sure and let you guys know about our Facebook group. Check out our Facebook page and click on the link to our group and we will make sure and add you. It's a great opportunity to continue the conversations that we are having during our interviews. And we would love to have you be a part of it. If you have a great story or you know somebody that has a great story that you think would be a great fit for our show, please feel free to use the contact form on our website or email us at theforgottenartstories at gmail.com. We would love to hear about how you are pursuing what makes you alive. If you'd like to support this project, we've created an opportunity for you to do so. You can go to patreon.com forward slash the forgotten art project. And for as little as a cup of coffee or $4 a month, you can help us move this project forward and get some new equipment. Our first goal really is just to get some nicer equipment. You can hear how nice this microphone sounds. We'd like to get a few more of these so that the audio quality sounds fantastic for all of you folks to hear. We are truly honored to get to share your story.